Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome to Sometimes I Be Right I am your host John Farris That's right, this is my show Sports and Entertainment Talk I got a lot of ideas, y'all Yeah, we're gonna have some fun today We're gonna have a lot of fun with this one How's everybody doing? Welcome, this is episode one This is the starting point So it might be a little rough around the edges My chair squeaks a little bit We'll we'll work it out I like to move around I'm very uh, expressive when I talk I use my hands I use my body If I get really into a conversation You know, you might hear some squeaking You might hear some birds chirping in the background Chirp, chirp, reporting live From Trash Can Studios Right Got the movie on in the background For the ambiance I got Wally What's up, Wally? Yo, hold on. Wally's the official mascot. Official mascot of the show. Check this out. Say what's up, Wally. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We here now. How y'all doing, man? I, let me tell you something, man. I've been thinking about doing a podcast for about 10 years now. Probably since like 2011. I was working overnight. Story time. I was working overnight. And uh, I, I, I used to listen to music. And, you, you know, you just get bored. You're working eight hours a night and you're just listening to music. It's like, ah, sometimes you need something a little more distracting, something a little different. So I, I started listening to Sports Talk Radio, ESPN app. I used to listen to the radio. But then I realized most of my favorite shows would come on during the during the morning. So I couldn't listen to them at night. And then I they started advertising like podcasts. I was like, what is this? Radio show that was from this morning that I could listen to the replay at night. Cool. And then from there, it just got me thinking and got me exploring different avenues, different podcasts. I started discovering different things, and I've been listening ever since. But since then, I've always said, man, I got I got these ideas. I would be yelling at the radio. Like, I'm sure all y'all do. You know, you listen to something, you start yelling at the radio. And I was like, man, I got... Ah, I need to talk. I need to say something. I, 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 but, you know, I'm not going to call into the radio station. Who does that? I'm not one of those guys that's going to call in in a radio station. So I'm going to start a podcast. And there's been many, 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 many attempts since then. You know, you record something and I'm like, ah, I don't like that. That sounds stupid or whatever. But now, forget it, man. Why not? Just put it out there. Put it out in the universe and see what happens. Maybe nothing happens. Maybe nobody's listening right now. Maybe it's crickets. Or, or, maybe there's one person listening. So if you are that one person that's listening, hi, welcome. Hope you enjoy this show today. We got a couple topics. The format of this show is 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 fluid. I'm gonna listen to Bruce Lee, be like water. It'd be it's it's fluid. It might change. So we start with now, and a hundred episodes. It might be completely different. It's a it's a learning process. We never stop learning. So I'm just excited to start, to put something out there, to put out some content, and then we'll see where it goes. But it is, I will let you know, I, I, I will be focused on sports and entertainment. Every once in a while, something else might come in or something major happens in, in the world as far as current events. Maybe I'll be so inclined to talk about it here. But for the most part, we're going to talk about sports because, man, I got a lot of hot takes and ideas and opinions when it comes to sports. We're going to talk about entertainment. Entertainment being music, movies, uh, things like that. 
because you know usually there there will be like something like today we're gonna talk about certified lover boy versus Donda. Ooh, that's right. That's right. I got opinions. I got ideas. I got thoughts. I've, I've been I've been quiet for a little bit, listening to what y'all have to say. It's time for me to talk. It's my I got the mic now. Just so you guys know, I am a tried and true Cowboys fan. That's right. I'm a fan of the Cowboys. So I will concentrate all of my focus on my my feelings and thoughts and recaps will be all centered towards them. I'm a Cowboys fan, Ohio State Buckeyes fan, and a New York Knicks fan. Those are my those are my three top. Those are the three teams that I care about the most. Baseball, not deep, deep into it anymore like I used to be. I used to play baseball in high school, but now I'm kind of like a, a casual fan. The team I root for now is the San Diego Padres. Love Manny Machado, love Fernando Tatis Jr., so that's the team I follow. Uh, but not diehard, so, you know, I'll talk about it, but not going to get deep in the woods on it. So it's going to be Cowboys, Buckeyes, New York Knicks. Those are the ones I'm going to really, really dig into and give my strongest opinions on. But let's recap the game. First, first thoughts, first takeaways. You can't... If, if you're going to have Dak Prescott throw it 50-plus times a game, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's very few teams that can say that they throw the ball 50-plus times a game and they win. Now, you might point to, you know, different teams like New Orleans or any, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes could throw it 50 times a game and you'll win. Maybe. You'll win regular season games, but you're not going to win championships. Even Drew Brees, who was passing it around like it was nothing, got one ring. That's not That's not how you win championships that's not how you build championship teams you can't throw it that much not to mention i do believe that guys can get better all right so so when i say this understand i say it understanding that you can improve i don't believe that you can come out of college as a certain type of player and then change to a different one all right that doesn't make sense that sounds stupid but let me explain michael vick didn't come out of a didn't come out of college as a pocket passer, right? He came out as a dual-threat quarterback. He didn't go to the NFL and become a pocket passer. He ended his career as a dual-threat quarterback. It, it was still keep him in the pocket. You got a great chance to win. He doesn't operate great out of the pocket. Even though towards the end, he was much better, still wasn't a Tom Brady in the pocket. Tom Brady came out of college as a pocket passing quarterback. He didn't turn into a dual threat quarterback. You understand what I'm saying? He that's what you are. You can get better in the other area, but you're not going to change into the other area. Right? So, Dak Prescott didn't come out of college as a pocket passer, as someone who you felt could stand back there 50 times, choo 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 choo, throw darts all over the field. It's not what he excelled at. Right? He was a dual threat quarterback. The threat to run is what made his pocket passing much more effective because you couldn't really go at him all out because he was just going to swing out the backside and hit you for 15 yards. 
right? So has he improved? Of course. Of course he's improved. He's getting NFL training, NFL coaching, the best trainers in the world that work on it. All That's all he has to worry about. So he's gotten incredibly efficient at that. But he's still, he's not going to go from a dual threat quarterback to now whoop, elite pocket passer. It's just not going to happen. So over an extended period of time, that's it's going to become more difficult. Why? It's a numbers game. Right? If you have four wide receivers and I only have to rush three linemen, I have eight guys covering your four. Good luck trying to throw into that. You're not going to be successful most of the time. It's just a numbers game. You need to run the ball so that teams can't key in on one area and it keeps them honest. So my first thought is, number one, what are we doing? We're we're just not going to give the ball to Zeke? Most running backs, everyone acknowledges some people get stronger as the game goes along. It might be tough sled in the beginning. Keep hammering away. That defense is going to soften. They get a little tired. Shoof. Next thing you know, you're breaking off five, six, seven-yard chunk runs. Then you hit the big one. I mean, everyone loves Saquon Barkley, and what does he do? He'll have 17 carries for 19 yards, and then late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, breaks a 60-yard run, and he's great. You know what I mean? Now he's got 18 carries, 100 yards, and you're like, what a great game. No, no. He was averaging one yard a carry, had one big run. Because the defense got wore down. You keep at it. Keep at it. You got Zeke. You got Tony Pollard. You were running the ball effectively early in the game. Four carries in the first half for Zeke. That's unacceptable. Why did you pay him? Why did you keep him? Somebody explain it to me. It was like a big deal to re-sign Zeke, right? So you have you make this big deal. We have to re-sign him, give him big money, highest paid running back. For what? To run him four times? You could have let him go and we could have brought in anybody else to run it four times. Why are we using this roster space and this cap space on a guy that you're not going to use? Use the running back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like the game was within one score for most of the entire first half. Right? Run the ball. Maybe you throw it on first down. You get a seven-yard gain. And then, okay, second and three. Run the ball. They're coming back and they're passing it again. Like, what are you doing? This team is too pass-happy, man. It's not Over the course of the season, it's not going to work out. Over the course of the season, you're going to lose more games than you win. It's, it's, it's not a good recipe. You don't have... The offensive line has question marks. So now you're asking a, a shaky offensive line in terms of health. Like Tyron Smith has missed time every year for the last feels like six years. Niall Collins has missed time the last couple of years. Zach Martin was out with COVID, but before that, he's missed time too. Like, these guys are getting a little older, getting a little banged up. That happens. So are you really going to put 
so much on them to say, you have to do this and we're going to throw it 60 times a game. Let those guys go forward and smash somebody. You know what I mean? Be uh, the attacker. I don't know. So that's my first thought. My second thought is Tom Brady's the GOAT. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. It's just, it's just accepted. Just accepted. I don't think anyone's even debating it now, but if you were debating it, just accept it. And you know what? Let's, let's, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy Tom Brady. At this point, let's stop saying, well, when is it over? When is, he, when is father time going to hit him? Let's stop worrying about it. Who cares? Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. It, it. It's like it's like as an adult when you're out of school and you realize, man, I, I if I could go back to high school, man, I would have enjoyed it so much more. While you're in it, you're worried about stupid things like what your hair looks like and people think your clothes are cool. But when you get old, you're like, man, if I would have, none of that matters. If I knew what I know now and just could go back and enjoy I would just really enjoy it. That's what it's like. That's what it feels like for me. It's like. Instead of wondering when's he gonna hit the wall, when is this gonna happen, when is that gonna happen, let's just enjoy the ride. Let's just enjoy watching him play every Sunday. And when he calls it quits, we say, okay. A side note: Is it just me, or does it feel like there's very little care that Drew Brees retired? <laughs> they just moved on, right? There's no talk like, oh man, it's gonna be weird. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That was a little side note, a little side tangent. We'll probably cut that out. Good. So I think I think the Cowboys can be good. I think they have the talent. I think their defense has has some weapons. I like you know, it's tough because you got to get pressure on the quarterback, right? Like you have to. Your DBs can be as good as they want to, but they're only going to be able to cover for 2-3 seconds. Right, so if you can get to the quarterback within four seconds, any secondary is going to be elite. If you give the quarterback time, especially a quarterback like Tom Brady, ah, your secondary is not going to look elite. It's not going to look very good. But I thought they did some good things last night. I thought they had some some effective pressure. Right, they had some times where they made them kind of have to make quick decisions. They were in good positions. You could tell. I mean, first year under a new coordinator, first game. You know what I mean? You got to get in, into a little better shape. A lot of these guys haven't played much in the preseason. So I get it. First game, I get it. You can't get too high or too low. You just have to kind of see, like, what could work and get better and what you think might be a problem area to key in on. And I think the biggest one is just the passing versus the rushing. I think Kellen Moore is a quarterback, former quarterback, it's the Cowboys offensive coordinator. And I think he's still young as a coordinator. And so I I don't think because he's he's a young person, he's a young man in general, but he's also young as a coordinator. I don't think he has that burned into his brain of you have to run the ball. You have to run the ball. Even if it's not work, run the ball. I think he's he's young enough to be like, nah, I'm not. If it's not working, it's not working. I'll run it two, three times. If I'm not getting any yards, we're going to the pass. Or every time I pass, I get seven yards. Every time I run it, I get one or two. I'm going to pass it. I get it. I get that. I get that. But, man, no quarterback should be throwing it 50 times a game. You shouldn't be dropping back and throwing it every time. And especially, like I said, not when you're paying your running back top dollar. 
What are you paying him for? Just wasted cap space. We got Tony Pollard that could do exactly what Zeke did last night. Tony Pollard can do everything that you asked Ezekiel Elliott to do last night. No difference. In that case, Zeke is not better than Tony Pollard for what you asked him to do. I don't need you to catch any passes. I don't need you to run the ball 20 times. I need you to run it just a handful of times and then just kind of block. Well, in that case, Tony Pollard could do that for way less money. And even when his contract comes up, you ain't going to have to pay him as much money as you paid Zeke. I don't know. Maybe something's going on that I don't know about. Maybe behind the scenes, they feel like the offensive line is having some trouble. Maybe they didn't trust him in the run game. I don't know. But I did see in the third quarter, Zeke start to get some good runs. Seemed like they were all right. Defense maybe was a little half step slower. He was able to make some cuts and get around some corners, and they just they still abandoned it. And the game was close the entire time. So I didn't understand why you would abandon the run. Now, Dak Prescott's numbers are going to look insane. They do. They look great. If you just look at that stat line, you say, whoa. But is that what you want every game for the entire season? I say no. I say no. I say that's not going to work. I say you want to keep Dak probably around 30 to 35 throws a game. Put Zeke 20 to 25 carries a game, and that's your recipe for success. And I think I think run game is just like everything else. you got to get into a rhythm. I think you got to get guys into a rhythm, offensive linemen included, but... So I just don't I just don't think that that's I hope that that just happened to be that game that's just the direction it went it wasn't a predetermined thing and that going into future games you know it won't it'll be more let's run the ball and and until we can't but that's I feel like what happened last season in Dak Prescott's first 5 games yeah he had 1800 yards but they were also down double digits in most of those games. So you have to throw the ball. Like, don't get down double digits, maybe? I don't know. Ultimately, I think the Cowboys will be, they'll be, they'll be good. They'll win 10 games, 9, 10 games, probably be. Most games, uh, they'll look like they could uh, win the division, I guess. I don't even, as I'm talking, I'm convincing myself that they're not. <laughs> I came into this thinking, nah, they're going to be good. And then and I'm talking, I'm like, nah, maybe not. Maybe middle of the road. I don't I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I'll be honest with you. A- as a fan, I used to be the fan that was like, oh, they could win the Super Bowl. I don't, I, I'm not stupid. I'm not delusional anymore. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. Not based on what I've seen. Not based on what I know of the roster and the players they have. I don't think they're Super Bowl caliber, but I do think they're a 10-win team. They'll win the division, uh, make the playoffs, and maybe even win a playoff game. That's 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 kind of how I feel. So week two, they have the Chargers. Next week, they have the Chargers. So the show's called Sometimes I'll Be Right, so I got I to gotta, I gotta make a prediction, I guess, right? So we can find out next week if I was right. 
You know what? Save it for next week. We're going to have a show before the game next week. I'll, I'll give you a prediction that it's still too early. All right, moving on. So it's it's been two weeks, a little over two weeks, since the, uh, the, the, the classic battle of will. Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Oh, what a massive event. Top five pay-per-view of all time. That's what they're saying. I know it's been over two weeks. Some people probably don't even care anymore. Some people probably forgot. I haven't forgot. I still do care. I think it takes some time for you to kind of process what you saw. Anyone who saw it, you come on now. You know. You you have to digest it sometimes. Sometimes in a rush to be first, you say some things that you don't really mean. You need to sleep on. You need to live with it. You need to figure out your emotions. So I'm going to talk about it now. First of all, I think we have to start by saying, how? people are probably asking, John, how do, you, how do you feel about Jake Paul? First, let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a huge boxing fan. I love boxing. I love watching boxing. I told my wife, actually, that night, I said, there is no greater sports event than a big-time fight. I there's I you give me a big big pay per view fight that's that's greater watch than anything else Super Bowl nah 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 doesn't compare you give me a big time fight that I'm emotionally invested in like someone something that I have some vested interest in right so like my favorite boxer is Canelo Alvarez you give me a big Canelo Alvarez fight fighting a top top level fighter like when he fought Triple G whoo Canelo Triple G won greater than the Super Bowl. Like that that the the whole event, the the ring walks. You know what I mean? The the lead up to the fight, the, when the bell rings that first round, your heart's racing like, "Oh, what's about to happen? Somebody about to get hurt." The chess match, you get to about round 6, 7, you start thinking, "Oh, man, who's winning?" It's it's, it's incredible. There's nothing like it. So I love boxing. So do so. What do I think of Jake Paul? Honestly, man, it's complicated because if you just if you just take what Jake Paul is doing, someone who's young, early twenties, YouTube guy making YouTube videos, being silly, being stupid, doing pranks, doing all the stupid stuff that young kids do. We all did it, guys. Let's not pretend like we were way more mature, or better, or smarter than Jake Paul. Like, we were all that stupid kid. We just didn't have the finances to back it or the cameras to record it or the know-how or the realization that there was interest, right? All he did is what we did. He just filmed it, okay? So for that, for that person to then discover boxing, just kind of stumble upon it, do it in the gym one time, fall in love and decide that this is what I want to do. Hire a professional training staff, start really training as a boxer, and start fighting. Have an amateur fight against, of course, you know, a fellow YouTuber, so it's not the most dangerous thing, but that's, he was, that was him. He was going against somebody with the same experience and skill level he had. To then say, I'm going to turn it pro and I'm going to fight pro for the first time. Have a pro fight. And then he fought pro, of course, again, a YouTuber, but against a guy the same as him. That just started training boxing, fell in love with it, and, you know, started fighting. Then after that was called out by Nate Robinson, right? 
and said, all right, I'll fight Nate Robinson, sure. We'll do it. It'll probably be, uh, uh, people will watch it because it's like, whoa, Nate Robinson? We, I, I got to know what this looks like. And then he knocked him out. And, he, and not only did he knock him out, but he put him face down. Okay? And it became a meme. And everybody thought it was hilarious. And the thing that I don't hear anybody talking about, what really sold it was the commentary by Snoop Dogg. If you watch that fight on mute, it's not really the same. But having the commentary from the opening bell till the knockout of Snoop Dogg was hilarious. Everybody laughed. It was funny. It was fun. It made it just an amazing, like, amazing watch. Then after that, you say, you know what? I I think I could really do this. I like this. I enjoy the atmosphere, the buildup. I love training. And then after training, I come into the ring. I love the ring walk. I love the attention. I love the money. Oh, this is amazing. But you got to step up the level of competition now. You got you to gotta get people interested. You got to give the impression that you're fighting a fighter. So they smartly go ahead and attack Ben Askren. Okay, it's a name. If you watch UFC, you know the name. And if you don't, like someone like me who doesn't follow UFC very closely, I know a couple names. If you say a name, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of that guy. But if I don't follow. So when I hear Ben Askren, I Google Ben Askren, and it'll show me UFC champ, former UFC champ. It'll show me a record. It'll show me world-class wrestler. It'll also show me he's not a very good striker. But the casual fan doesn't even really understand what that means. Like, what does that mean? He's not a good... He's a fighter, right? He fights UFC? Okay, well, UFC uses smaller gloves. UFC is more dangerous than boxing. Uh, Those guys are animals. Okay, yeah. So you have a guy coming from an animal sport versus a guy who's coming from YouTube. Oh, yeah, the the Ben Askren's going to win. That's casual opinion. But people who know fighting know, oh, Ben, he's got no hands. He can't throw no punches. He, He sucks at that. Right? And even Ben Askren himself said, if this guy can fight at all, if he can box at all, he'll beat me. I just don't believe he can box at all. That lets you know all you need to know. So Jake Paul didn't have to be a good boxer. He just had to be able to throw punches like better than a casual or better than a Joe Blow off the street. And he can because he's been training for three or four years. So he's got technique, right? So then after that, you have to step it up even more because you you signed the Showtime deal, three-fight deal with Showtime. So now Jake Paul is not really in control of picking his opponents. Let's call a spade a spade. He, He has to fight certain level fighters because Showtime is now paying for it, promoting it. And they don't want to be looked at as a joke. They're not going to let him fight another YouTuber. They're not going to let him fight another novice making his first pro fight. They're not going to do that. You're going to have to fight somebody of some level of, of, of fighting ability. Somebody who has somewhat of a name that we could say this is a legit fight. And I think it's telling that Tyrone Woodley throughout the entire promotion kept saying this is going to look like a real fight. I think he was trying to reassure people that Showtime's not bringing people in here to make a circus. 
See, that's what sucked about Triller was they had like concerts, like 30 minute concert, then a fight and then a 30 minute concert. Like what? I bought the pay-per-view to watch the fights. I don't care about Justin Bieber performing. It was a joke. It was a terrible watch. And Showtime's like, no, that's not what we do. We're going to put on a boxing event. There's going to be four fights. The main event is going to be worth the money. And that's how they operate. So in a vacuum, just the idea of what Jake Paul is doing, I love. I would support. Because he's no different than anyone else who starts boxing. You get into it, you fall in love with it, you start doing it. Just because he started later doesn't mean that he's lesser. Right? We we just now get to see it. We get to see someone's first four fights, and we get to see the progression, and we get to really follow it because it's someone who had a name and a following coming into it. So I think it's great to be able to see it, to be able to watch it. The problem is... Although I like the message, the messenger couldn't be worse. Right? Couldn't be worse. This guy, okay? This guy. I I don't know I don't know what to say. I I I wanna give credit to say, alright, this is the level you're on, fine. I don't expect you to go out there and take on the biggest most dangerous fighter around no 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 don't do that that's stupid build up your name build up your following build up your reputation make some he's making bigger money than you know like a tommy fury is making because he's already had he has the built-in audience so he's got like a cheat code right so keep keep doing that. But the problem is, is you have to, you can't pretend when you talk to the public or talk to us as as fight fans, you can't talk to us and think and pretend like what you're doing is not strategic or what you're doing is not playing it safe or what you're doing is not taking advantage of people. Like, come on now. You fought a YouTuber making his pro debut. You fought a retired NBA player. You fought the least dangerous UFC opponent you could have fought. And you just fought your best opponent, Tyron Woodley. And let's be honest. Did you watch the fight? Everybody here watched the fight? If you watched the fight, you you can't say that Jake Paul is better than Tyron Woodley. He's not. The difference in that fight is... Tyron Woodley didn't throw enough punches. Tyron Woodley stood there most of the fight, throwing six, seven punches around, while Jake was throwing 12 to 15. If you look at the punches, who had the better, who had the more crisp punches? Who had the better defense? Who had the better movement? It was all Tyron Woodley. If Tyron Woodley was aggressive in that fight, Jake Paul's on his back. It's over. He knocked him through the ropes and then came out the next round through like four or five punches. What are you doing? Jake Paul didn't win that fight because he was better. He won that fight because he was going against a guy whose reputation was he's not that active. So move around, throw out a bunch of jabs, a bunch of a couple combinations here or there. They don't even need to land. 
If you're throwing and the other guy's not, judges are going to give you the round. And that's what happened. So if you watch that fight, what you have, what you, what you saw, was that Jake Paul is not a good boxer, and that if Jake Paul goes against someone who is a boxer, who understands how boxing is judged, who understands what it takes to win a round, come on, man, Jake, Jake Paul is bye bye. It's not even close. It's not even close. Jake Paul looked terrible. He was gassed after round three. Gassed. Like, can't breathe in there. Was a step slow. Punches were slower. Had no steam on it. And I thought going into the fight, I even texted my brothers that I don't believe Jake Paul has real power. Because going in the lead up was always, oh, Jake Paul's got real knockout power. Says who? Says what? What evidence do we have of that? Oh, he, he knocked out Nate Robinson. Okay, that's it. He he knocked down he knocked out Ben Askren. He didn't knock out Ben Askren. He knocked him down. Ben Askren got hit in the temple with a shot he didn't see. A hard shot. It was got up a little wobbly. The ref stopped the fight. Did he have to stop the fight? Maybe not. We can all agree like Ben Askren wasn't going to win the fight and probably would have ended up more hurt. Probably wouldn't have lasted much longer, but he got back up. And that's a guy who's not used to taking punches in boxing, who has no experience doing that, and didn't even do well at that in the UFC. So of your three fights, one guy got knocked out bad, and that was Nate Robinson, who was running in head first. So, yeah, you caught him coming in. I could knock anybody out if they charge at me and I hit you clean as hard as I can. I promise you, you're falling on your face. That's not saying I have power. That's saying that those two things coming together, somebody running at you face first, you hitting them as hard as you can. That impact is just going to knock anybody on their face. So what so what have you what power have you shown? Right. So, and when I say he doesn't have real power, I don't, I don't mean he doesn't hit hard. I mean, I don't think he's knocking out anybody. Like, Deontay Wilder has real power. It, it doesn't matter who's in the ring with him. He has the power to knock that guy out. It doesn't matter how big you are. My right hand can knock you down and knock you out. That's power. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jake Paul is knocking out guys who are naturally smaller than he is. Which brings up the post-fight. So post-fight, Tyron Woodley, who I believe knows that he should have won the fight. Knows that he was the better fighter and knows that, ah, I let the opportunity slip away. I had him. If I had just been a little more aggressive... And so in his mind, the only thing he wants is he just wants another shot. He so badly wants another shot at it because he understands, I'm going to come in there and be more aggressive. I'm going to knock this guy out. Jake Paul's not going to give it to him. Jake Paul's team is going to say, no, no, absolutely not. And more importantly, Showtime, who's still paying him for two more fights, is going to say, absolutely not. Because they know 
the same way that Jake knows, the same way that Jake's team knows, a rematch with Tyron Woodley is a guaranteed loss. Because Tyron Woodley doesn't have to get better to beat you. He just has to be more aggressive. And there's nothing that you can do between now and a rematch that's going to make you much better to be able to beat that guy. That guy is just better than you. And he's always going to be better than you because you're going to have enough. Even if you take a year, you're going to have a year to improve. So is he. So he's already starting at a 10. You're at a 4. You're going to move up to a 5. He's going to move up to 11. He's always going to be better than you. And if he's aggressive, he almost knocks you out not being aggressive. So if he was aggressive on you from the start, what are you going to do? And he's felt your punches. He's felt your power. He's taken your biggest punch clean. And it didn't affect him. So he has no fear, no caution now. He could walk in and walk right through you. It's kind of like Canelo versus Triple G. In the first fight, you could see that Canelo was concerned about Triple G's power. How hard does he hit? Is he going to hurt me? Can I take the punch? After going 12 rounds with him, feeling some hits, feeling some shots. In that second fight, he wasn't afraid of his power. He said, I don't believe you can hurt me. I believe I'm good enough. And I can see your punches coming well enough that I can absorb. I'm standing right in the middle of the ring. Let's go. And that's what won him the fight. And that's what a lot of guys. That's what a lot of guys. That's why Tyson Fury in the second fight knocked out Deontay Wilder. It's because in the first fight, he's dancing around boxing, trying to avoid punches because he understands he's got that power. Well, he felt that power. He got knocked down. He was almost knocked out. Got back up and said, you know what? I'm going to go at him. And then went after him in that round and won the rest of the round. Like, impressive. And took that and said, you know what? This guy can't do nothing if I'm aggressive. If I attack him, he can't do nothing. Because he has no power going back. All his powers, if he's coming forward, great. So if I'm backing up, he's got the advantage. If I press him, he can't do nothing. And that's, that's what Tyron Willie's banking on. Tyron Woodley saying, man, if I get in that ring with him again, I know he can't hurt me. I know how he throws punches. I know he can't be much better. Come the rematch, he can get better, but so will I. Because now I'm boxing more. I know what I'm seeing now. I've been in there now. He'll, He'll destroy Jake Paul in the rematch. And they know that. And they know that. They know that they were, thank God, he was inactive. Because we would have had a loss and we'd be walking away right now with a loss. I wanted to see Jake Paul lose because I want to see his response when he loses. Because it's easy to say you love boxing. It's easy to say you love to train. It's easy to say all that stuff. And when you step in the ring, you win. But can you get back in that gym for eight weeks and train the same way after you just lost? I don't know. I don't know. Is it fun then? Is it fun to do all that training and then get beat up, get knocked out? Is that fun? I don't know. Some people think it is. Some people would love that competition. And maybe he's one of them. I don't know. But I wanted to see. I wanted to see what his response was going to be. So, Tyron Woodley can just stop begging for the rematch. Kiss that goodbye. That's over. It ain't happening. And so I read an article today uh, where Jake Paul had come out and said that Tyron Woodley messed up. He's not getting a rematch because he didn't get the tattoo. Because they initially had a bet that... Are you serious right now? 
they initially had a bet that the loser would get the other's name tattooed on him. Which is a stupid, but like, why are you always trying to make bets? Jake Paul is always trying to make bets. Like, that's his, his way of promoting the fight is let's make a bet. Let's bet money or let's bet your whole purse. Like, it's to gain interest. It's like an old, old way of promoting fights. Like, we don't, we don't need that anymore, man. You guys fighting each other is enough to sell it, but whatever. It's, it's, I don't know. Anyway, so he didn't get the tattoo, and he tried to say, and then actually Jake Paul said, we can have a rematch. I'll give you the rematch if you get the tattoo. Tyron Woodley shook on it and said, bet, and walked away. I think in that moment, Tyron Woodley knew he's never getting the rematch. Therefore, he doesn't have to get the tattoo. And he could present it as, we made another bet that said, if I get the tattoo, we'll get the rematch. You're saying no to the rematch. I'm saying no to the tattoo. Therefore, you went against your word, so I'm not going to hold up my end of the bargain either. So he gets to walk away scot-free. Jake Paul gets to present it as, well, you were supposed to get the tattoo, and then I'll give you the rematch, but you're not getting the tattoo, so now I don't have to hold him into the bargain. And then it all ends up being just stupid, right? Don't we, don't you feel dumber for even hearing that? I do. I feel dumber for saying it. I almost fell asleep as I was saying it. That's how dumb it was. But anyway, I digress. So now, the rumor is that his next fight is against Tommy Fury. What a surprise. They came out and said it that Tyron, that, no, I'm sorry, not Tyron Woodley, that Showtime wants Tommy Fury next. That's why they put him on the undercard. And they tried to pair him against a guy that he could look impressive, uh, impressive against. So maybe to get a knockout, maybe just beat this guy up, and then it'll build, ooh, anticipation. But he didn't. You know, he didn't beat the guy up. But again, you're fighting. The other guy's in there too. The other guy doesn't want to just get embarrassed. So you have a fight. Now, he beat the guy up. It wasn't close. But you could see he had some issues because the other guy was smaller. Much smaller. So he was like punching down. And he even said after the fight, like it was it was weird getting the angle because every punch I'm punching down. And, you know, I, I get how that, it looked weird. It looked awkward. So I get it. So I don't judge it too harshly. But that's what Showtime wants. Does Jake Paul want that? No. Jake Paul doesn't want to fight Tommy Fury. Why? Tommy Fury is just as big as Jake Paul. If not bigger. Might be bigger than Jake Paul. That's a problem for Jake Paul. Everybody that Jake Paul's fought has either been short. Or has been naturally lighter and they have to gain a little bit of weight to get up. Now, Tyron, Tyron was was the same weight. He had to lose a couple pounds. He probably walks around at 200, 205. So he had to lose a couple to get down to 190. But he's he's 5'9". Jake Paul's 6 foot. So, again, you still have the size advantage in one way or another. Tommy Fury probably has the longer reach. He's just as tall. He's just as heavy. He's just as big. And he's been boxing for just as long, if not longer, than you. And he hasn't been doing any other sport. It's not like he's MMA and he's starting to learn how to box. No, 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 no. He started out boxing. So he doesn't have to unlearn years of training from MMA. He only knows boxing. His stance 
boxing stance. His jab, boxing jab. His defense, boxing defense. His footwork, boxing footwork. So what does that mean? So, so Jake Paul, of course, has to come out and say it as if that's who I, I want to fight a real boxer. But does anyone here think that he's going to beat a real boxer? And if he does, if he goes out there and he beats Tommy Fury, which maybe, because I, every time I watch Tommy Fury, Tommy Fury takes a lot of hits. And it's hard to tell, does he have a good chin? Or are the guys he's fighting just not very good, not very strong, therefore he's not getting hit, not you know taking any damage? But he does get hit clean a lot. <laughs> and mostly with right hands, which is what Jake Paul loves to throw. So is it possible? Sure, maybe. No, no, it's not. <laughs> like, see, the, the young, optimistic, hopeful kid is still alive in me. That still says, like, anything's possible. But sometimes you have to go with what you know and you have to go with sports and you have to go with the history. And that's why I thought Tyron Woodley was going to beat Jake Paul. And he... See, that's the thing. You can't say he did, even though he did. Because the only reason why he didn't win that fight is because he didn't go... He didn't put in... He didn't throw enough punches. So he didn't lose because he wasn't good enough to win or because he didn't deserve to win or because he couldn't win. No, he was the better fighter. So if you went into it thinking there's no way this guy who's been fighting for 19 years is going to lose to this guy who's been fighting for three, you're right. He shouldn't have lost that. He was better in every way. His cardio was better. His footwork was better. His punches were thrown more crisp. His power was better. His head movement was better. Everything was better. You just didn't, you weren't active enough. So you take the L. So when I think about it, Tommy Fury, who's been training as a boxer, who's fought real boxers only. He's never fought anyone that wasn't a real boxer until this last fight two weeks ago on the undercard, which seems to me to be like a late, like, yo, just fight this guy. And he's like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, because the payday coming up next is the one so take on this fight it's gonna be easy and then the next fight is the one that you can really sink your teeth into so i think like is that guy gonna lose to someone who's his toughest fight was against a 40 year old retired ufc fighter i think i take the younger guy who's been boxing boxers the younger guy who can spar his older brother who's a heavyweight champion. I think that's that's the guy I go with. Because I think at some point, you know, in some way I think Jake Paul might be a little scared of him too. I think that's possible. A little intimidated going in there against that guy that's that big, that's that, that has skills like you have. It's a little different. It's a little different, but that's enough. That's enough. That's enough of Jake Paul. We'll talk about Jake Paul whenever another fight comes up. Now it's time to talk about let's let's talk about Donda versus Certified Lover Boy. 
That's right. Kanye versus Drake. Now, first off, let me say, I don't think there's any competition between these dudes. I don't, I'm not comparing these two albums because that's what I would normally do. I'm only comparing them because that's what they wanted to do. And I say they because Kanye started it, Drake kind of continued it. So that's what they want. So when when they come out in that way, Drake comes out first and then less than a week later, I'm sorry, Kanye comes out first and less than a week later, Drake comes out. And those two have a feud with each other. You're naturally going to say which one was better. I don't think it's any surprise to anyone who knows me to know that I personally, wholeheartedly and honestly believe Donda is better than CLB. But again, I, I think my, my opinion is based more on what do you look for in music? Right? So I'm naturally more inclined to like Kanye's music over Drake because Kanye's music, I feel like, has a power to it. It has like a presence, like a... Um, I, I don't I don't know the there's like an excitement around it when you play it you don't have to you could be anywhere you could have headphones on you could be in your car you could be at the club you could be at the store you could be wherever and when it comes on it just will give you a certain energy Drake has always felt like or I've always been told because I'm not really a Drake fan I, I've never really gotten too into his music and before you say you just a hater I remember when So Far Gone came out, I stayed up. I stayed up all night on 2dopeboys.com getting the updates of, oh, it'll it, it, in another hour. Oh, by 1 a.m. it'll be. I stayed up. I didn't even know who Drake was, but I knew the buzz around this project. I said, yo, I need to hear it. I had work the next day. I stayed up to like 3 in the morning, downloaded it, and listened to it. So that's back in 2009. Yes, that was me. I did that. So I was there at the beginning, like a stan waiting by my computer to download the zip file. So I've heard every Drake project. I've Every time he puts something out, I listen to it because I'm a fan of music. And I'm hoping that one day he's going to put out something that, that just makes me go goo goo gaga. And, and to be honest with you... I still, to this day, love Nothing Was The Same. I think that album is great. I think that album is great. It's a great album. I love that album. I played that album front to back multiple times. I played it just the other day. I still love that. Worst Behavior, I'll put that on all the time. So I'm not a hater. But I don't really connect with most of his music, and I'm always told by people, well, it's because you don't do this, or you didn't hear it here. And some people even say, oh, I got to hear that outside. I got to hear that out at the club. I got to hear that out at this place, at that place. I got to hear that with a group of girls around. That's that's not, for me, I don't spend my time at the club. I don't spend my time around a bunch of girls. I'm married. I don't, I don't spend my time, like, you know what I mean? I'm usually driving in the car to and from work. To and from this place. I'm sitting in my house playing stuff on the Bluetooth speaker. So 
So if your music can't resonate with me in, in those environments and I have I can only listen to it and get enjoyment from it in that one particular place, I'm probably not going to be interested. Because Kanye, I could play around the house when I'm cleaning. And it's it's still incredible. I could play it in my headphones while I'm taking a walk around the block with the dog. And it's still great. I don't need to be in the club. I don't need to be at a concert to enjoy it. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Drake's never really been my cup of tea outside of that one album. But I've listened to them all, front to back. I'll never criticize an album without listening to it front to back. And really trying to give it a chance. So, but I, I, this Certified Lover Boy, for me, was very boring. And that's a word I don't really use a lot when it comes to albums. But this one bored me. It sounds like Drake just doing Drake. Like, it, it, it just... I'm trying to think of how to explain it. I'll say Drake needs to step away from music. Drake needs to to stop making music. Don't even go in the studio. No more features. No more nothing. Just take six months away from it. Just don't even listen to no new beats. Six months, just go away. Just don't. Just let it be. Just let it be, because this album has no new ideas on it. There's not a single song on this album that you wouldn't be able to say, this is what kind of song is going to be on the album. It's all just the same recycled formula that he's been using. It's uninteresting. And the reaction to the album has kind of shown that. It's kind of been like a little a little muted reaction to be like, ah, it's not that interesting. Not that interested. People not really loving it. The first day numbers were record breaking, and then the next day numbers dropped off of a cliff, and it's like, eh, it's okay. And that's all it is, and that's the truth. That's what it is. Is people kind of looked at it like it's uh, it's okay. I don't love it. Like diehard Drake fans are gonna try to find something that they love in it, but even they would have to say like, eh, it's, it's okay. I love Kanye West music. Musically, I love Kanye West. I loved all of his albums, but yay, it's garbage. As much as I feel like I'm going to hell for saying it, Jesus is king is garbage. It's not good. So, like, even though I'm a fan, like, I could, uh, I'm just going to pass that one up. That's, that one's not getting played ever again. <laughs> So even Drake fans have to acknowledge, like, yeah, you know, CLB's not the best. <laughs> but yeah, it just sound it just sounded like he was trying to do Drake to make Drake songs, and it just didn't feel like there was any passion to it. There was no energy to it. No song came on that made you get the ugh face, made you make that face and bop your head or made you pause it to say, yo, 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 no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what I mean? Am I the only one that does that? You hear something that's just crazy, you got pause, you're like, no, 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 nope, 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 nope. You got to take an extra second before you go back in because you just like couldn't believe what you just heard. That's what I do. But Certified Liver Burden, they don't have that on there. Everything on there was like safe and 
dreary, and then you had the one or two, like, quote-unquote bangers with the features, like, way too sexy, like, oh, that's gonna be, that's gonna play on TikTok, and it's gonna play on Instagram Reels and all that, and like, yeah, you're right, it will, it probably will, doesn't make it good, you know what I mean, and I, I just, I just feel like he needs to get away, because I feel like now when he goes in the studio, Take it, look, anyone who's ever worked on music or or even written it as a writer or even a podcast or anyone that does anything consistently at some point needs to take a break because you'll eventually continue to do the same thing over and over because you'll fall into a pattern. And I feel like Drake has been for 10 years, for 10 years straight. Constantly on features, constantly putting out Lucy's, constantly putting out albums. And it's like now when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's Drake. That's a Drake song. That's a Drake feature. It sounds the same. The flow is the same. It's the same flow for 10 years. There's no difference. It's not a problem, but it's just the artist needs to take a step away because you could tell he's going into the studio and thinking from, like, what is Drake going to do? And so he's not taking any chances, not taking any risks, not making something completely new off the wall. It's all fitting into that formula. And that that's, it's, again, it's not a problem because if you, if people like CLB, then you like CLB. But the reason why it's not resonating and it's not, it's kind of like come and gone already it's it's because it's not there's nothing to it there's no substance to it it's 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 hollow. it's like a rice cake <laughs> it's a rice cake you eat it and you know you ate something but don't really have much taste you know what i mean it's not really satisfying so you can dress it up with some chocolate drizzle but it's still a rice cake just rice cake with a little chocolate drizzle. And that's what CLB is. That That's a perfect analogy. CLB is a rice cake with chocolate drizzle. There's a, there's a little bit in there. Like the 7 a.m. record is like, okay, he's rapping on that. He's saying, so he's talking crazy. So, sure, maybe champagne poetry. Is that, is that what it's called? I'm going to say that's what it's called. That that on there might make you feel like, oh, that's that's cool. That's a, That's a good one. Sure. But... Nah, nah. It's still a rice cake. It's still bland. Once you get past the chocolate drizzle, it's still just a bland rice cake. Now Donda, on the other hand, it's it's bold. It's uh, it's loud. There's there's instrumentation on there that's just not. It, it just. You just have to listen to it. Like they're like, oh, it ain't gonna make you dance, and they go, no, it's not. It's there's a power to it. There's an energy to it. There's an excitement to it. There's like a like a punch you in the faceness to it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that exists on that album because. The, again, the instrumentation, the the content, the everything about it is just so big, and some of that could be 
based on the the way it was promoted. You know, you got the 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 Mercedes Benz Stadium listening. You know, then you got the Chicago listening, where you have these big, massive stadiums and. You're playing it in the stadium and then you put it out and people in their mind will think the state like this is supposed to play in an arena. When I hear it, I hear it as if I'm in a stadium and it's just the power of it. It's just massive. And when I hear it, there's just so many songs. It just it's just it's captivating. It's captivating. It makes you like it grips you and says, hey, pay attention just for a second. Let me just have your attention for just for a minute. And you have to. You got to listen to it. You got no choice. It's wild. It's wild. Now listen, it's got 27 songs on it. Not all 27 songs are great. I think when I... Everyone's done it, but when I pared it down and say, okay, let me, let me try to isolate... Let me try to isolate the songs that I like the best that I feel like if I was given this album and said, hey, cut it down to make the take the best product out of it. I think I got to like 14 that I was like, if I was making this album, I wouldn't take these. These 14 wouldn't be able to be cut. And the other ones were like, yeah, it's cool, but if I never hear it again, I'm OK. Or if if I if it's not on here, it's OK. That's kind of the way that I did it. And I got to like 14 and probably would have cut it down even more to 12. But when I listen to, even when I press play, and I, I only listen to the album like beginning to end because I feel like you have to. I feel like the way it's arranged, the, the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, I didn't like this song yesterday. It's, I like it today. And then I might not like it tomorrow. And it changes, like, this song hits me today, this song tomorrow, eh, no. That song I thought was the best one on the album, and then the next day, like, nah, take it or leave it. Like, it just, it fluctuates, right? And I feel like every time I listen to it, there's a different song that stands out to me. And that's that's what I love about the album, and that's why I think the album is a really good album. When I hear CLB, I don't, I don't ever need to hear that again. I'll never listen to that again. I just don't need to. There's no point. What's the point of listening to it? You know what I mean? That's that's kind of the I that's kind of the thought. It's like I don't there's nothing here that makes me feel like I need to go back and double check it. Donda has about five or six songs that it's like I need to double check and see if, how I feel about that. But I feel like there's real emotion in Donda, there's real meaning in Donda, there's real there's a real attempt to make something great, whether it was a success or not. The attempt was there, and I'm a big, big fan of attempts. So I've always said, don't you're either results based or you're 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 journey based, right? So either you're the person that looks at the result of what happened to make a determination of whether it was good or bad, or you're a person that says, what were you trying to do, right? So put it. Let's put it in relationships terms. If your spouse is trying to plan a really big surprise for you and gets a hotel room, gets, you know, a babysitter and calls and makes reservations for the the restaurant and rents out the movie theater and you come up and whew, he tells you, like, I got a great night planned for us, Right. 
and tells you the plans. We're going to go to dinner here. We got this movie theater all to ourselves. We got this hotel lined up. And she says, what about the kids? You say, don't worry about the kids. They got the babysitter. Perfect. Let's go. You guys get dressed in your best. You go out to dinner. You go to dinner. And the, and the dinner was a little, ugh. Wasn't as good as you thought. That fancy restaurant that all your friends were talking about was so great. Eh, the food was okay. Not very good. So whatever. Cool. We go to the movie theater. Get to the movie theater. We got the private screen. Like, this is just us. And then they come to find out, hey, uh, sorry to tell you um, last minute they changed the policy. We no longer do private private theaters. So there's going to be people in there with you. Look at your lady, and she says, I don't worry about it. It's fine. We'll still want to see the movie. Let's go to the movies. But now, instead of being alone, you're in a movie theater full of people. It's not the same. Then you go to the hotel room, right? You go to the hotel. They say, hey, listen, uh, your room's not ready yet. Uh, We had to move you. I know you had, you know, reserved the suite, but there was an issue with the hot water at the suite. You're going to be in just a a regular king bedroom. Sorry. Sorry for the inconvenience. And you say, ah, and she says, ah, don't worry about it. You know, we had a, a good night. It's still all fun. You get in the room. You put your bags down. She's getting ready to take a shower. You get a phone call. Oh, my God, the babysitter is sick. She's throwing up. She's got to go home. Hey, sorry, babe. We got we to gotta go home. The babysitter is sick. She's leaving. We got to go home. And she says, okay. Now, when you get home, are you going to be a person that thinks, oh, this, this night sucked. My husband is trash and what a trash night this all fell apart uh or do you say you know what like he he tried really hard to make this really special night things just didn't work out but god i'm giving him credit for for the attempt that was a really long way to go (laughs) that was a really long way to go just to say hey kanye seems like he was trying really hard to make a great album and it didn't turn out great, but hey, I still A for effort. And Drake seemed like he just was trying to make an album. That was that was a really long-winded thing to say. Y'all, I guess you can probably tell that I'm speaking from the heart with this one. <laughs> and personal experience, I have had things go wrong and not been given the credit for it. <laughs> anyway, man, listen. Listen, man, that's, that's, I think that's it. I think that's good enough. You know, actually, you know, let me touch on this for one second. So in the entertainment field, so I'm, I'm, I'm really big into movies. I like watching movies. I'm not a movie snob though. Like I don't, I don't say like, oh, the, the cinematography was beautiful, man. The camera angles and the lens. I don't know nothing about that stuff. Right. I just look, I just watch a movie and does it give me a feeling? Does it make me think? Does it, 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 you know, what does it do to you? Does it give you an emotion or whatever? That's what I'm into. Right. So. So the so so the Batman is coming up, right? The new Batman movie is supposed to be coming out. What is it? March? I think. And so there's there's screenings happening now and there's there's word coming out. So they're talking about this being uh all the people coming out of the screeners have said this is a horror movie. This movie has legitimate scares is legitimately scary at times. And they say it's 3 hours long. Now, first of all, if a movie's 3 hours long, in my opinion, it has reason to be three hours long. So there must be something about it, like a story involved in it that requires it to be that long. I love that. Give me a three-hour Batman movie. Ow, oh, hold on. Hold on. I forgot about Dark Knight Rises. That movie is trash. 
and that was two hours and 45 minutes. I, I guess it, no, it didn't need to be. <laughs> I take that back. Don't give me a three-hour Batman movie unless it's like, like if The Dark Knight was three hours long, I would have been fine with that. That movie deserved it. It earned it. It was okay to be three hours long. So, but otherwise, like, so, so the buzz coming out about it is like, it's, it's three hours, which they're going to obviously have to cut down, but I hope they don't cut down too much. But even a two hour, two and a half hour movie is like, that's, you're telling a lot of story. You're giving me a lot of stuff in there. It's going to be, if it's two, two and a half hours long, chances are it's going to be good. Right. Then if they're saying it's a horror movie. And that they're skirting the line of R rating. To me, that's exciting because that means you're not trying to give me something fluffy. Right? So I think I don't like comic book movies. I have to say that because 90% of the comic book movies coming out today are Marvel movies. And I don't like the Marvel movies. I've seen every single one up to this point. And I don't like them. The best I could say is, eh, it's okay. But I say I don't like them because I don't ever want to watch them again. I don't ever say I want to watch a movie. Endgame. Let's watch Avengers Endgame. I, no, I don't have any interest. Because the problem with the Marvel movies for me is, it's a formula. There's going to be a couple silly jokes there's going to be a big problem presented, and then it's going to be solved, and by the end, everybody's okay. Even in Infinity War, when everyone got dusted, you walked out of the movie saying, all of those people are coming back. Every single person that got dusted is coming back. Right? So the only reason why I can give Infinity War a pass or give it a... a, a a good mark is because I can watch that movie and walk away and never watch Endgame and say to myself, those people are dead. They died. But if you go further, they didn't. They presented this massive problem. Oh, it's all this loss. But they're not lost. They're coming back. They'll find them. So what was it for? What was all the fighting and screaming and hollering and fear for? Everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Nah, man, I need some stakes. Even if it's going to be fine, I need you to convince me that it really might not be. I need to be convinced that it might not be. And that's why I prefer what, what DC is doing in the movies versus Marvel. It's more particularly Zack Snyder. Like, Zack Snyder's movies gave you the idea it might not be okay. And even if it is okay, it comes at a price. So, like, even Man is Steel, like, obviously, you know, Superman's not going to die or anything bad is going to happen. But he had to kill Zod. He had to kill him. And, and, and he showed you the pain and the difficulty that Superman felt ha- needing to do that. He didn't want to. But he had he had to. His, his father died to protect his secret. And he has to live with that. Like, my father died 
because he was trying to protect me and my secret because I'm not from this world. Like that, those like questions that make you say, well, was he right? Was he wrong? Did he do the right thing? Should he have saved them anyway? But he has to live with that. And and those type of ideas and themes are what make those movies way better, in my opinion, than Marvel movies, which don't ever ask you to contemplate things that heavy. So yeah, so even though we know that the DC movies probably gonna end up okay, there was still like a dirt to it, a grittiness to it, a nastiness to it, an unpleasant feeling like, yeah, we won, but ugh. At what cost? Marvel doesn't ask you. There's no cost in Marvel. It's it's free. It's fluff. Get your popcorn and we're just going to enjoy watching these people run around and be successful. Hey. So, yeah. So, you, you talk about this new Batman. Yeah, make it R-rated. Make it difficult. Make it tough. Make it dirty. You know? Make it, like, nasty. Like, maybe we don't even like Batman. Maybe Batman's a jerk. You know, make it that. Let's 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 have that perspective. And that's that's kind of that's kind of what I'm hoping to get. So I'm very excited about that. Uh And and that's it, man. That's it. You know, this is the episode 1. Sometimes I'll be right. Hey, man. Uh this is the start. I want to thank you. If you've made it to this point, if you've listened all the way through, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is just step one. Obviously, as we go, each one will continue to get better and better and better and better. That's the goal. Thank you for taking this journey with me. I hope you come back next week. Uh, NFL week one is this week. I got, I got a lot of games coming up. I'm not going to make no predictions. It's, it's too early. I don't even have the games in front of me. But, you know... We'll have I have some 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 ideas, some opinions about what I see, what I don't see, what I think, what I don't think, how I feel like this is gonna turn out. Again, I am John Farris. This is sometimes I'd be right. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys next week. God bless.